I guess we'll do some politics today, but the unexpected has happened. There's a lot we can learn from a recent episode of The Bachelorette. That and more on today's Corey Act show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. Content on the Corey Act show has come from all kinds of various and sundry sources over the years, but I do not believe we've ever focused on one of these trite and ridiculous reality shows, especially one like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. But a recent scene in that reality show has provided material to teach us a ton of lessons, and we're going to get started on that in just a moment. But first, my name is Corey Truax. Among many other things, I am the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at 1030 on Sunday mornings in Greenville, South Carolina. We'd love to see you there any given Sunday morning at 1030. You can find more at beachwood.cc. I'm also the host of South Carolina Connections is a podcast of the Palmetto Family Podcast Network. Really important work that those guys are doing over there. I'm honored to be a part of their network of podcasters as well. You can find South Carolina Connections wherever you find podcasts. And I'm glad to have you live if you are listening on Saturday morning at 8.05 on His Radio Talk 92.9 FM. And I believe also 91.9 FM, or at least that is soon to come. I'm glad you're listening wherever you are. Once we are finished with this Bachelorette discussion, I want to re- revisit something from last week having to do with some of these uh, some of these folks that are being charged with sexual deviancy, like the Epstein case, R. Kelly. Uh, I do maybe, if we have to, get into some reaction about the president's tweets regarding Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, the Ayanna Presley person, and there's one more in that squad, as it were. And then I think I want to have a, a quick discussion about Apollo 11, as everyone else is remembering it. I want to as well. And there's a lot more I'd actually like to do on the show today. We'll just have to see how far we can get. But first, we're going to start here. I've never been a fan of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette on, I think, I think those are ABC shows. They could be CBS shows. It doesn't matter. Uh, although if it if it is ABC, that's a Disney company, and uh, you know, it, it would be the folks at Disney to think up The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I primarily did not like these shows when I heard about them because, I mean, I've never been in TV, but I am a, a media guy, and I know how stuff works. And then I verified how Bachelor and Bachelorette work in that they are filmed in, at most, they're filmed in a 10-week period. And so we have these very a very contrived circumstance where either a bunch of women embarrass themselves trying to win the affection of one man or a bunch of men embarrass themselves trying to win the affection of one woman. They are saying very intimate, lovey-dovey things to each other after having known each other for some period of weeks. They come together in contrived circumstances where, yeah, of course you're going to fall in somebody, fall in love with somebody when the... You're being taken to magical places all free of charge, right? You're, you're living in a, in a fantasy world. Uh, yeah, you're, you're going to have some emotions for somebody when you have to worry about anything else in life. So it's just contrived everything. The whole thing is so fake from beginning to end. And then it, it's, it's just a, uh, I don't think it's a healthy model when it comes to male and female relationships. It's just not good. If you watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette, I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you I think the show you like is stupid. 
you might think me watching football is stupid. But I've, The Bachelor and Bachelorette just have contrived and dumb premises. So I've never been a fan of these shows. I also don't pay them any attention. So they're just out there. You know, they're, they're like all kinds of things out in the culture. I know they exist. I just don't care. Like, I don't know. Scarlett Johansson's out in the world somewhere. I don't care. She does stuff. I'm sure Bono is out doing something right now. I just don't care. I like Bono. I just don't care. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that I don't care about or it's in celebrity culture, and I just leave it alone. I don't care. That's how I've mostly been with The Bachelorette, but there's been a scene here recently that'll probably take half the show that has caused some discussion. And so let me set it up for you. I don't rem- uh Let me see if I can find these names. Hannah. Hannah is the name of The Bachelorette, so she's the one that goes on the show, and uh, she's trying to pick a dude from many who are going to give her attention and affection over a contrived six, seven, eight, nine, or ten weeks of filming. And there's a guy named Luke on the show who is apparently one of the... He's made it through a good chunk of the show. I don't know how many guys are left on the show at this point because I don't care, Uh, but he's he's winning? That's the word? He's doing well on the show. And he's having a one-on-one discussion with Hannah right here. So Hannah's the bachelorette. Luke is this guy competing for her attention and affection. Hannah identifies as a Christian. She says that she loves some Jesus. Luke also identifies as a Christian. They are having a discussion now late in this process of the show where there's apparently something coming up called Fantasy Suite. From what I understand, it... it uh, this is a time where the bachelor or bachelorette spends some some quality one-on-one time with so, all of these various relationships that this person's in. Which, again, by the way, such a contrived situation. This is this is not how life works. Uh, a, a woman keeping track of six, seven, eight, nine, ten relationships at a time. A guy keeping track of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten relationships at a time, and then picks one of them and it all works out. Yep, not how life works. That's never never gonna be. And by the way, Bachelor Bachelorette, I think, has produced one marriage, and I don't even think that one stayed together. Because of course not. You got a bunch of people who are emotionally capable of carrying on relationships with multiple people at the time. Who could imagine that their relationships would be unhealthy? So they're having a discussion. And Luke, being a believer, being a Christian, he has a totally rational concern for seeing to it that the woman he is pursuing matches his values. And so, as she's about to be in these one-on-one intimate settings with a bunch of other guys, plus him, he wants to know, are we in agreement on our sexual ethic? That as you pursue these other relationships, that that there's going to be an understanding that you're not going to be having sex with a bunch of guys because that's going to be my standard. I wouldn't be doing that, Luke is saying, because this is a standard we have for sex. And apparently in both of their lives previously, they've shared with one another some sexual history, and that he has made the, 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 the pledge in his life that he is not going to engage in sex with any woman until he is married, uh, even though he's got a past. And, and so anyway, that's been his pledge. And so his discussion here is he's trying to figure out, are we on the same page? Do we have the same value when it comes to how we're going to handle the topic of sex and relationships? 
it doesn't go well for him is how I guess the world is seeing it. I think it couldn't have gone better for him. Uh, so here we go. I'm going to play it for you. And by the way, it's awkward, a little painful, but we are going to go through it together. It's an eight-minute clip. We're not going through all eight minutes. We might go through two of it. Uh, so but here you go. This is Hannah and Luke having a discussion on The Bachelorette. Thinking about fantasy suites, like, I've heard people proclaim their faith, but yet they've said things like, yeah, I'm excited for fantasy suites. I want to explore this relationship on a sexually intimate level, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And to me, that's like, whoa, 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 what? Mm -hmm. Excuse me? There's something I'm missing here. Good point. All right, so people claiming, hey, I do love me some Jesus. Oh, also, I can't wait for a bunch of sexual encounters with a bunch of people. Which, by the way, if you're a secularist, if you're outside the faith, that makes sense to me. I had somebody respond on Facebook to my criticism of this. And that person's well outside the Christian faith. Well, of course you don't get this. Of course you don't hold to the Christian standard of ethics. And and Luke does a good job here of setting up, I'm coming from a Christian perspective. I've heard people say, they're talk about the Christian faith, and then enthusiastically behave in a way that is not a Christian way to behave. He's not just talking about her and her behavior. It's measuring behavior against the profession of faith. Like, I don't believe that's something that you should be doing. And I just want to make sure you're not going to be, you know, sexually intimate with you know, the other relationships here. Okay. Like, I totally have all the trust in the world for you. Okay, so uh, with her facial expression right now, you should not have all the trust in the world for her. And the fact that she's just not... But actually, you don't have all the trust in the world for her. She's obviously behaved in a way that you know you don't think she actually is going to behave by the standard of the faith she proclaims. That's why you're bringing it up. It's also, Rye, you should just walk away from this girl, bro. He said somewhere, I think I cut it out from the beginning of this clip, that if if that's not her standard, that he wants to just respectfully bow out. He just wants to leave the show. He wants to go off the show, no longer be a candidate for this woman, because it, this is an important standard for him, as it should be. But at the same time, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Like if I, I mean, if, I, if you told me you're having sex, or you had sex with one or multiple of these guys... I'd be wanting to go home. I'm like kind of mad because. Oh, you're oh, you're mad because a guy what? <laughs> because a guy says, "Oh, so you claim to be a Christian? Do you plan to live Christianly?" Not. Do, this is not a question of his. Uh, some people were uh, criticizing him as being controlling and ha being insecure. This is not a question of controlling her or being insecure. This is a question of. Do you plan to live by the standard you proclaim? Because, like, the way that you just said that, it's like, why do you have the right to do that? Because you're not my husband. And well, you're, you're carrying on a relationship with this guy. He has, he has the right to be curious about standards, all right? He has the right, and a woman has the right to ask, while we are dating, while we're trying to figure out if we're compatible, do we have the same standards about life? Not just in matters sexual, but in matters financial, matters familial, matters parenting. In all matters, are we compatible with one another? You can be mad all you want, Hannah, but the guy is totally justified and he's handling it quite well. And you're not 
Can I get you off your seat? No. Okay. It's just that you are that you're questioning me, that you're judging me, and feel like you have the right to when you don't at this point. What judgment? There is no judgment for you. He's asking you a question about your standards and if they match the junk that comes out of your mouth. You've not been judged at all. Here's more. And I get when you, like, care for somebody that you don't want to think about somebody being intimate with another person. But guess what? Sex might be a sin out of marriage. Pride is a, is a sin, too. And I feel like this is, like, a pride thing. Let's say you it's not a... Okay, he's actually he's just asking if you two are compatible, if you have the same standards. The fact that pride is also a sin doesn't make doesn't justify your own behavior. This is an immature emotional reaction. You've had sex with all these other relationships. All of them. I, I'm willing to do or work through anything. You're what so bro, have some self respect and don't say such a thing. That's a, that's not a girl you should be desiring. It's not a woman you should be looking for. Okay? All right, so some comments and we'll move on. I, I don't want to do the entire show on this. I could. I could go through all eight minutes, uh, but there's some things we need to pull from this that are instructive. So first for him, totally justified, smart thing to do is find out if you have the same values before you're getting into a serious relationship with somebody and the, the, his, the, the criticism of him of being controlling or uh, what was the other one he got? It was insecure. That is not the case. He's not intimidated by other people. He wants to know if the woman he has interest in is actually compatible with his values, and she's not, and so he just needs to get up and walk away. But for her, this is someone who claims to be a Christian, and here she is saying, well, you're not, a, you know, you're not my husband. You can't, you can't uh, ask, essentially you can't ask me to have these standards. Listen, woman, I don't know you. I don't even know you. But if you're claiming Jesus and I'm claiming Jesus, even I have the right to ask you about your standards, and you have the right to ask me. That's the Christian faith. In the Christian faith, we are all in we are all in the family together. In the same way that someone who is in my personal uh, my actual earthly family or someone in the Christian family, if my words don't match my life, that person has the right to ask me about that. That's not judgment. That's actually good Christian living. I'm glad I have people in my life that would call me out on that. And so she has this attitude. She ends up going on TV on other shows where it's no one can, no one can judge me because he's, he's got sin too. He's prideful. None of that is relevant. This is not a question of him, again, with controlling or insecure this should be a question about how we take questions from other Christians. You're not above reproach. You can be questioned. And may our consciences be clear when we are questioned. She basically, uh, in some of these other interviews about this, is a really clear response uh, to something Paul wrote about. You know, Paul writes about how where, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So where there is sin, God gives grace to forgive. But then he asks the question, so should we just keep sinning so that grace can abound all the more? And then Paul writes, God forbid. God forbid that we would so value grace in such a low way 
that we would trample on grace with our sin. Actually, the beauty of grace, the beauty of forgiveness is that it sets our eyes on Jesus that we would want to be more like him and recognize that our sin, as fun as it is for a season, leaves us empty, not so often, but leaves us empty in the end all the time. And that we would chase after those things that would actually fulfill us. I have a ton more I want to say on this, and I might after this break. I'm already three minutes over on this segment. I might come back and talk about this more. I don't know. I'll make a decision during the commercial. We'll be back with more of the Corey Truax Show here in just a moment. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show. I have indeed made a decision. I'm sticking with the Bachelor thing. I think it's worth doing. Plus, this occurred to me. I have another 30 minutes of broadcasting to do. South Carolina Connections with Corey Truax. South Carolina Connections with Corey Truax. Wherever you are finding my podcast, you can find that podcast. And I'll be able to do more of the new stuff that I want to do over there. I think it's, this is good enough. This is important enough to go through. Because uh, I think this woman, Hannah, she is an example that exists a lot inside nominal Christianity. Those that wear the name Christian but may not be genuine. There is an attitude out there that you can't judge me. You can't say what I should and should not do. And that's her chief objection here is that you can't. no one can tell me what to do. That's her very immature take. And that's the, the take of a lot of those people who claim Christianity. I mean, I even had a guy on my Facebook feed who did something like this here recently. I'll tell that story later. I'll make a note to make, tell that story. By the way, I usually do this on this break. Hey, if you would do me a favor, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Find me there. Follow along all throughout the week. And if you would, uh, as well, consider supporting the show on Anchor, anchor anchor.fm, and telling somebody about it. I I think the work we're doing here is worth sharing, and a lot of you are, are still listening. If you would share the show with others, I would highly appreciate it. Let's get back to Hannah and Luke from The Bachelorette, and we're going to go through their entire conversation. Here we go. I'm a grown woman and can make my own decisions, and I don't, I'm not strapped to a man right now. Just being real. Like, yeah, be real. Yeah, before, before they're real, that reaction she had there of, I'm a grown woman. I can make my own decisions. All right, so, again, I'm coming from a Christian perspective. If, and, be, and she claims to be one. If she is just a secular woman, well, then she's right. You are your own God. You get to make your own rules. You get to have your own standards. You get to go do whatever you want. But that sentence, I make my own decisions, this is actually not a Christian thought. Now we, under, when we are under the authority of Jesus and the Scripture, we make our decisions in submission to the Scripture. And the sexual ethic of Scripture is sex is to be enjoyed in a union between one man and one woman. And so, you know, you don't get to make your own decisions. Now, you and I, we both submit to what the Bible tells us. I can understand a slip-up. But, like, with all of them, I mean, that's kind of where I was going with that. If, like, you were just like, you know what? I want to just have sex with everyone and see what it's like. And, yeah, I would be like, okay, I'm going to talk to you, but you know what? Like, I'm out of here. And, of course, you should be out. Not for your pride or insecurity, because we're not compatible. I believe one thing, and you believe another. Moreover, the thing that you've also told me about your Christian faith is not real. Your fruit doesn't match the word. This comes from Luke 
Ah, man, I forget. We're in Luke. But Jesus has a great, because everything Jesus says is great, a great illustration. You'll know a tree by its fruit. How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? It's got apples on it. How do you know a Christian's a Christian? He or she behaves like a Christian. How do you know someone's not a Christian even though they say they are? They are totally ignoring all the teachings of Scripture. Honestly, like what you're saying, the, the words that you're saying are just like really not okay. I don't even know. Maybe he's not that bright either. I don't even know how I, I could not go on a date with this kind of woman. The words that you're saying are like really not okay. Like this is your vocabulary? There's not okay. And the closest thing that I've ever felt to love at first sight was probably with you. How adorable. And our relationship from the beginning gave me so much hope. And then it was like all this yeah. kept happening. And honestly, like you have already broken my heart through this, like truly. And I've broken my own heart because I've allowed every Bro, get up from the table and walk away from this disaster. Everything. And to ignore all the red flags for how I feel to have this and to have you say this about me and make me feel like I c you would look at me any differently and judge me. This is not judging. Again, this is trying to gauge compatibility. He's not supposed to look at you any differently. Seriously? Hey, I follow Jesus. Also... Here's my very long list of sexual partners while I'm also claiming to be a Christian. It would be one thing if you wanted to be, and gentlemen as well, if you're unbelievers and you want to live slutty lives, I have nothing to say. Why, why would you not? There's no standard telling you not to. His opening salvo in this conversation was, I've seen people proclaim their faith and then not live it or make me feel like you would not think of me as a woman of faith. Like, Well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think of you as a woman of faith. The same way as a woman says, I'm a Christian. Also, here's all the people I rob. I'm a Christian. Here's all, here's my consistent disregard for all things faith. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? No. Do you have any sp spend any time in the Word? No. Have you prayed? Not in years. I don't think you're a Christian. All right? So, no, I wouldn't call you a woman of faith. And Hannah, listen to me, honey. You're not. And that part's sad. I get frustrated here by the illogic and the irrationality, by the emotional reaction. I get frustrated by the reality that there's a lot of people who think their soul is safe, and it's not. But there's a sadder reality here that here's a, a lady who thinks that the grace Jesus bought means that she lives however she wants to live with no consequence. The beauty of what Jesus bought is that it's better than any of the things we get ourselves. And so whatever joy the world offers you, 
the Christian looks at what Christ did and goes, that's even better, and I want that. The thing that's, mo- that's most sad in this is that she's so lost. And all she does from here is kick him off the show. I don't, I'm not going to play the rest. He, sh- he should have already left the show. He, he gave her too much, too much time in that conversation. It's obvious, man. She, she doesn't agree. She doesn't hold to the Christian ethic. So now I can connect this to the other thing I had on my Facebook feed. So her attitude here is, you can't judge me. I can do what I want. And I actually had someone on my Facebook feed here recently because I posted a picture uh, from some church in Virginia. They posted on their sign, idiotically, they posted on their church sign, America, love it or leave it. There's a lot of problems here, primarily that it is a, uh, it is a church that it's, uh, the church there in Virginia doesn't, apparently doesn't know it, but it's part of a movement that is global. The, I tell you, if you're, um, if you're a Christian, like a, if you're a white American Christian, and that's really valuable to you, like you love your white Americanness, man. The key, if if you, I, I really do wonder this. Some of the folks who think like this, America, love it and leave it. I wonder if they could see the kingdom of God right now, if they'd even want to go. Because when you th- when you think about us, the United States of America is going to end up being around for probably less than three hundred and fifty years in total. You measure that against all the Christians that have lived throughout all of time, white American Christians, or even just American Christians altogether, it's going to be a tiny little group of people in the kingdom of God. And I wonder if some white American Christians I know would look at the kingdom of God, if they could see it right now, if they would go, I don't want to go. There's not enough people that look like me. And so in any way, there is this church that puts this sign out there, and so I post it to Facebook, because it's one of the reasons you should follow along on Facebook, and say, they're being a church wrong. That's not the point of the church. The point of the church is the kingdom of God. The point of the church is not the country in which it lives, or where that local congregation is. And so what actually says on the, on the feed, don't pass judgment on anyone else if you've ever sinned. You don't get to pass judgment on anyone. This is not a biblical concept. Wherever that concept came from, that there's no judgment to be had on anyone ever if you've ever sinned, it's not rational, it's not logical, it's also not biblical. I've given this monologue before, but maybe over half of Paul's letters is him judging other Christians, telling other Christians to stop doing some things and start doing other things. Jesus also said the words, judge, righteous, judgment. We actually have a command in Scripture as long as, along with love one another and do good to one another and spur one another on to love and good works. We also have rebuke one another. And in that realm, by the way, like loving one another, one of the things that you can love one another doing is rebuke. If I am doing the wrong thing, then tell me. That's a good brotherly thing to do. And so this is, there, uh, I'm literally reading verbatim from the page. Unless you have never sinned in your entire life, you have no room to speak, no room to judge. Also, by the way, with no punctuation in there whatsoever. This is where this woman stands, and this is false theology, it's false teaching, and we should be able to respond to it. All right, let's move on. I guess I can do something political, but, you know, I might come... I, sometimes I rush off of these things. I'm going to stay on it for one more second. Let me pull it all together. 
So, we have this woman on Bachelorette. We have this comment on Facebook. It's just, don't judge ever. That's a, This is false thinking that, of course, we do. We judge by Scripture. We don't judge by our own opinions. We don't judge by our own uh, preferences. We judge by Scripture. We also don't judge the unbeliever by Scripture. So where the unbeliever does not behave in a Christian way, where we just go, where we should go, yeah, I know, they're not believers. Why on earth are we expecting believers to behave like believers? I expect sinners to behave like sinners. The place where judgment can come is where someone is claiming to be a Christian but does not behave so. And where that's me. I want to be judged for it. I want to be warned about my behavior so that I can fix it, so that I can pray through it, so that through the power of the Holy Spirit I might be more sanctified. So that's one thing to fix. But then also just generally I do want to get to the, to the sexual ethic. The, this, uh, this attitude that this guy, Luke, expressed on the show, it, it's a source of mockery for Christians. I mean, it's, it's happened. It's happened to me a little bit in my life, not, not a ton. And by no stretch would I call it any kind of real persecution, but we should recognize in the, in the Christian sexual ethic, we're a vast, vast minority. We're very small. I be, it seems that the American secular sexual ethic is only consent. It's the only thing that matters. As long as everyone consents, literally every sexual practice is fine. The, the Christian ethic is, is distinct. And it's beautiful. It's different than what the world offers. And we should not apologize for it. We should humbly express it. We should teach it to our kids. And where there are those claiming to be Christians, not abiding by, by the, uh, the Christian sexual ethic, and specifically just spurring it, just living a mockery in, in the face of it, yeah, we have we have every room to judge and to call that sinful. One, I, you know, I'll connect this to another thing I wanted to do on the show today. Very quickly, last week at the end, I talked a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein and R. Kelly, and uh, I was satisfied that there seems to be some real outrage around the crimes these men have committed, the sex trafficking both men have taken part in. But I see all that outrage, and I recognize that if the studies are accurate, in our own churches, we have something like a third of men regularly viewing pornography. And in the broader culture, it seems to be almost half of men and like a third of women. And there is this attitude, I think, that surrounds pornography where people think, well, it's victimless. Everyone involved in pornography is consensual, and therefore, you know, this is not trafficking by any stretch. But knowing my audience size, not, not huge, but it's, it's enough, the chances are someone listening to me right now, you, from time to time, you view pornography. And so I want to say with some boldness that if this is part of your life, that maybe not to the extent that Jeffrey Epstein and R. Kelly traffic in women, you traffic in women. Ladies, no different for you. Pornography is often consensual for those involved. 
but not first first of all, not always. A lot of times there's addictions involved here. People being addicted are, are doing things so as to be able to get the resources they need to feed their addiction. There's also a, a documentary on Netflix you can go see. I mean, I did watch it. it. made me unbelievably sad. I can't remember the name of it right now. But just showed some pornographers who will advertise for models. They're looking for models. And so women from... Young girls, 18, 19, from all over the, the Midwest, you know, they're the prettiest girl in their high school. They graduate high school and decide, uh, they, they look on Craigslist and see this ad to be a model in Miami, and so they get flown down to Miami. And they're not there for modeling at all. They're pressured, and they're, they're pressured into doing pornography. When you take, we're talking about the Christian sexual ethic here, it doesn't just include sex is only for marriage. It's also recognizing that every human being is made in the image of God and is deserving of honor. One of the ways in which our American culture and the, and the American church violates the imago Dei, the image of God, is that we have been so guilty in the realm of pornography. And so let us not at all be a culture who Shakes our shakes our heads and wags our finger at Jeffrey Epstein and R. Kelly, while the pornography going through our phones and our computers is so plenteous. It's something for the church to repent of, and it's something for this culture to get a hold of. In that realm, let me encourage you to to take a look at uh, Fight the New Drug. Fight the New Drug is a, a website. It's also an Instagram page. It is a totally secular group. They are specifically making sure everyone knows they are not religious. But they have done the work to, to recognize and show, to prove, that pornography rewires the brain. It rewires the brain just like narcotics do, addictive drugs. And they are seeing the negative effects that's happening on men and women. Uh, and this very secular group is trying to minimize and eventually eliminate the use of pornography in the culture. Uh, they are worth your attention. I follow them on Instagram, watch their stuff on YouTube. Uh, so go out there and find Fight the New Drug as well. When we come back... Let me see if I can try to get to these Trump tweets about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her group. I have some more thoughts on Apollo 11. We'll do that and more when we return for the rest of the Corey Act show. Hi there. Welcome back to the Corey Act show on his radio talk, 92.9 FM. Also, wherever you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, CoreyTruax.com, Google Play. There's a lots of places to listen. So I hope uh, hope you will and share the show with others. I guess we should do some politics. And the big political story of the last couple weeks, I haven't really commented on yet, so I might as well. It all started a couple weeks ago with Na- uh, Nancy Pelosi and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez were having a little little spat. And if you're a Republican, not necessarily conservative, but a Republican, you should love that. And just let them spat. Let them have their their little fight. But the current president of the United States can't breathe if the media attention is not on him. And so instead instead of letting his enemies destroy each other, he jumped in. Because he can't control himself. He has no impulse control. And he jumped in with an objectively immoral thing. I'm sure you heard he tweeted that 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ilhan Omar, and Ayanna Presley, that the progressive freshman congresswomen, if they don't love America, they should go ahead and go back to their home countries. The problem with that, among others, is that they're all from here except for Ilhan Omar. She's from Sudan, but she's an American citizen now, and this is her home country. There were some really dishonest explanations of what the president might have tried. He, he was trying to say he was trying to say they should go back to their districts. Yeah, well, he said countries, so no. And so no, he just said uh, I don't. It doesn't necessarily have to be a racist tweet, but it's definitely an ignorant tweet, and it's definitely an immoral tweet. I don't like it when either side says something about. Leave America. That's why this this church that put up the sign, America, love it or leave it. Beyond this fact that they are not doing what the church is supposed to do, like it, that's not... I mean, let me say it this way. Guys, what does Make America Great Again mean? Make America Great Again is the country is not as great as it once was. I'd like it for it to be better. Donald Trump was actually fairly famous for talking about how terrible everything was. Everything is backward. It's horrendous. Our airports, our infrastructure, it's all terrible. Everything was like he was running for president. He called everything horrible. All right. Well, if you don't love America, leave it. That's what, okay. If you don't think America's great, because you don't, you think America needs to be made great again. Therefore, America's not great. If you don't think America's great, Donald Trump, leave. See how idiotic it is? How moronic it is to say leave America if you don't, if you don't love it? It's just a dumb thing to say. And so just objectively, it was immoral, it was wrong, morally wrong, for him to tweet what he tweeted about those four congresspeople. Now, check this out. Those four congresspeople, they're all really low IQ, and they think some evil things. Their ideas are destructive to human flourishing, I actually do think they hate America's foundation, foundational principles. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, they do hate America's foundational principles. They hate the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, all that's true. And here's a cool thing you can do as an adult. You don't have to pick a side. Donald Trump can be an immoral, ignorant moron for those tweets. And he is. He's immoral, he's ignorant, and he's a moron. But you know what else is true? Rashida Tlaib and Ilham Amar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ayanna Presley, they have backwards dumb ideas that would hurt people if they're implemented, and they hate the United States of America. Do you know that you don't have to pick a side? In a fight between the squad, as they're being called, and Donald Trump, you don't have to pick a side. In a fight between Donald Trump and the media, and the media is worse than it ever has been, you don't have to pick a side. It's not a rule. You can just be a person who's for, for truth and justice. You don't have to pick a side in these things, guys. Let me free you from that if you think you have to pick a side. Final story for today, and we'll move on to sports. The uh, Last weekend, Apollo 11, the, the landing on the moon, it was the anniversary of that. I think it was... 50th or 60th, I don't remember how long. I guess it happened in 69, I believe. So 79, 89, 99, 09. Yeah, 50. 50 years since we've been on the moon. And 
the take that we should have on that is remembering what a feat. I mean, what an incredible thing that we achieved. That in a time where the Russians had beat us to outer space with Sputnik and what was really a, an existential fight about what was going to be the, the future system of the world, totalitarianism, or is it going to be more liberty-minded, that Americans came together with their expertise and put a man on the moon and brought him back safely to Earth. It really was, I mean, it's incredible. That's what should have been the take, just remembering, uh, and even a time of, of, of unifi- a unifying message for the country that we, 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 don't, we seem to not like each other, we seem to have you know, a, a real issue in the country with the vision of who we are, and we should be able to look back on these proud moments. Like, here's the thing that we did. No one else in the world did it. We did it. We put a man on the moon. And instead, the American media, they focused on the fact that, well, you know that that happened at a time when America was super racisty racist and that the people who really... I'm, this is literally... I'm telling you... Uh, a, I'm giving you a synopsis of an op-ed that appeared in the New York Times that was essentially saying, we well, really shouldn't celebrate this incredible achievement because back then... People were super racisty racist. And also, you know who worked at NASA? White guys. That was so unbearably white and unbearably male. Where were the women? And where were the people of color in these processes? Let me just, with some clarity, say this. Achievement is to be celebrated no matter who celebra- who actually did the achieving. So the fact that the it happened to be mostly, or ex- almost, I think it was exclusively men and maybe exclusively white dudes who went to the moon, that doesn't mean we don't need to celebrate it. They did an awesome thing. And if it were all Asians or all black women or all, uh, give me someone, all Hispanic grandmothers, I don't care. If they sent someone to the moon, let's celebrate them. That's awesome. It was an American achievement. We should be proud to have that as part of our history. We're short on time for sports, but we're nevertheless going to do it right now. Hey, if you would, share the show with others. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, look for me, Corey Truax. Connect to the show and find more on the Facebook fan page or at CoreyTruax.com. Now we've got to move on to sports. We are all out of time for that serious stuff. We are, but I don't know, six, seven-ish Saturdays away from college football returning. Yeah, I think we're like 40 days or 38, something like that. Oh, so that's, we're talking five or six weeks. Yeah, it's close. And it's not far behind that. The uh, NFL will start as well. And so we have our sports segment back with Heath Powell. Hi there, sir. Hey, buddy. I just want to get you to react to some of my college football season preseason questions. Okay. Here we're starting, starting with this. And for the record, we have not audited or spoken about these up until this point. No, genuinely, <laughs> I was on a plane Wednesday back from Oklahoma, and I knew we were doing the segment. I thought, I wonder, I'm going to just come up with questions to ask Keith, and I came up with these. Okay. I started here. Is Michigan the best team in the Big Ten? No. Is it Ohio State? I'm going to, I know I say this almost every year, but I, I think it may be Wisconsin, like oh, legit Wisconsin this okay. year. Maybe Michigan State. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think Michigan is going to do much – until they get somebody to replace Harbaugh. I just don't see huh. it. I do not see it. If, if his name wasn't Harbaugh, I think he would have been gone already. But he has name but they, but they hyped and invested so much in him to get him back. Um, I mean, he's very successful at Stanford, but 
man, Michigan just doesn't do anything. You lose to Ohio State five years in a row or whatever yeah. it is, that's not good for Michigan. Uh, I hope no one recalls, but last year when we did our college football playoff predictions, I picked Michigan versus Alabama. That, oh, did you? that was my championship game. Yeah. If you recall from last year, that was my championship game. <laughs> what was mine? Clemson-Alabama. Who won? Clemson. <laughs> I remember. I, I remember the shows. And I am. I, I'm kind of, I feel like now I was early on Michigan. Like yeah. I'm actually pretty high on Michigan. Yeah. But a lot but, of people are high on Michigan to have them in the playoff. Yeah. But – I don't. I think people should stop doing that until they actually earn some of that. You know, I, I don't know, man. I just don't see it. Then my second question, who's the second best team in the ACC? To me, I, I'm, I'm leaning on Virginia Tech, but there's also some interesting up-and-coming ACC programs. Yeah. So is, is Virginia Tech the second best team in the ACC? I, I'll be honest with you. If you want the second best team, it's a, it's a pick em for me. Like, you could you – could, Put them all up and throw a dart with your eyes closed, and you may hit the right one. Gotcha. I just don't. It's I just don't know. There's not much in the ACC, honestly. Yeah. So the differentiation between like a Virginia Tech and a Virginia is just too small. Yeah, and I'll be honest. If I had to pick a number two, I'm picking Virginia. Virginia so that was my other finalist. The cap, not not the Hokies. Yeah, the Cavaliers. Cavaliers. Yeah, that's who I would pick. Just because I think Bronco Mendenhall, he's he. I love that guy. I, you know, I liked him before. Um, I think he's doing some good things, getting some good was recruits. BYU. BYU. That's yeah. it. Okay. And what? I mean, is there a better football name than Bronco? No. Like no. Nagurski. Exactly. <laughs> that takes me back to that NFL voice yeah, right. guy that died. Yeah. Like, in the frozen tundra yeah. of Lambeau Field. <laughs> that guy was awesome. He was. Then it was another question. Well, yeah. The in the SEC is. Uh, I assume Georgia is the second best team. We're in agreement. I'll be honest with you. This year, Georgia may be the best team over even Alabama. Yeah. So what? I, the question then was after that. Is it an obvious LSU, or is Florida catching up? I feel like LSU is the obvious third-best team. Yeah, I mean, it could be Georgia-LSU for the championship. Ooh. I mean, that's in I, the West and the yeah, West and East. It could I don't out know that if way. this year will be the ascension of LSU, but I think they're on a super steep trend upwards. I agree. I just do. And I don't know, man. It seems like Alabama may be trending down, and people are hesitant to say that because it's Alabama. Yeah. I get it, but it happens to everybody, no matter the sport, no matter the coach. Saban is 67 years old. Yeah. He's going to leave. It's going to happen. It, it has now, they, now, they may go back to the national championship this year. I'm mm-hmm. not saying they're not. But you can see the trends, and, uh, you know, Georgia's obviously good. It, it does happen to everyone eventually. It happens. I, it happens in MMA fighting. Yes. Y'all went for two and a half years, and all of a sudden gets knocked out. He never gets gets that back. You just it happens. It's this just is, sports. Yeah, I, I am also on the side of I just I'm not going to be the one to jump early and say it's this it's it's going to be now. Right. I'm the same way with the Patriots. I like he's Tom Brady's forty two, and Belichick is a thousand. Yeah. I keep, now it may be once Belichick and Brady leave the Patriots implode. It may be once Saban leaves Alabama drops yeah. off, but it's not. Alabama and everybody else like it used to be. No way. Alabama was miles away in the lead from everybody else. It's mm-hmm. not that anymore. No, I, I put Clemson firmly in their category, or better right now. Yeah, I mean, it was Alabama's a dominant team in the country. It, I think you have to say it's Clemson now, it's, especially in the past four years. I mean, two out of three, you know, plus, you know, this wasn't another 44-41 Clemson loss to Alabama. It, it This was an absolute beatdown. Sure. It just was a beatdown. I thought of my other – I did finally thought of my other question. What is more likely, that the Pac-12 misses the playoff again mm-hmm. or Notre Dame goes back-to-back? What's the more likely thing? The more likely thing? Yes. Sheesh, I don't know. I, I, 
I'll be honest with you, Notre Dame is not even an option for me in the playoff. I mean, because why? They had a great year last year. Had a great year, but all but, these other guys are having to play conference championships. They're having to play a conference schedule. You're just out there oh. willy-nilly. You get a week off while the other teams have to play. Okay. You know, if, if we're going to be equal, let's be equal. Yes, they're Notre Dame. Yes, they have a giant yeah. TV contract. Yes, they have history. Yes, they have touchdown Jesus. I get it. They have real gold in their helmets. whoop de do. <laughs> get in a conference. Play a conference <laughs> schedule. Play a conference championship, yeah. just like the other three teams have to do. Yeah, I agree with you. And then, hey, I, I'll, I'll vote for them in a heartbeat if they're good enough. And if they're not going to play a conference championship, I did think of a creative solution for them. Book a 13th game. Book a power another Power 5 yep. team. During play championship a, week. Play They're, a championship week game that's not a championship. Exactly. Book some other teams. So, so you have to be on the field and put yourself You have to there. be doing – you have to have the opportunity to lose and knock yep. yourself out of the playoff because well, the other teams do. I think last one for me thus far in the media days, <laughs> what is your – what's your top – your biggest takeaway from media days? For me, it has been – it feels like Alabama players don't want to, don't want to accept what happened. Yeah, here's the thing. SEC Media Days was first. Yeah. Therefore, anything the Clemson players, you know, John Simpson jovially responded, Notre Dame's the best team. But why did he say that? John Simpson is the Clemson, he's a guard, offensive offensive lineman. John Simpson, okay. He was just joking around and said that because Mosley, the day before Alabama, said Georgia was the best team they played. So, you know. Oh. And then Feinbaum and Saban are always running their mouths. My biggest takeaway is the SEC cannot stop talking about Clemson. <laughs> they can't. Yeah, if Clemson. you listen, I, I, I despise the Feinbaum show because he's he's so attached to Saban's hip. Let's go with hip. I'm going to say career path. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be nice. Sure. It, it's unbelievable. If you listen to that show on ESPN, it's Clemson this and how does Alabama do And it's just constant Clemson talk. Yeah, it is. And Clemson has moved on. Last year was last year. I like how they operate. But there's excuse after excuse from Alabama. Saban said the players weren't focused and all this stuff. Just well, accept it and move on, guys. Well, maybe that's bad coaching. Yeah. If your players aren't focused, it's bad I coaching. Yeah, I was uh, – yeah, It was six months ago. Move on. Exactly. Get prepared for the next year. I was also just generally bothered by living in the past in that way. Yeah, me too. We are all out of time. So next week, let's go through uh, week by week with some highlighted games. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, we'll be back with another new edition next week. Hey, thanks for coming and doing sports. No, I appreciate it. And also, if you would share the show on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you can find me, Corey Truax, on all of those. We'll be back with another new edition next week. Until then, peace and love.